told some of you, uh, I think last week, it's kind of embarrassing and it's a sign of getting older, but uh, I, I injured my throat sneezing last Saturday, and I'm still having issues with it. I, I've never had that happen before, but uh, yeah, it took me a while to figure out what it was, but I, I got some dust in my face from vacuuming, <clears throat> and then I sneezed pretty violently, and uh, and then like three minutes later, I just felt like I had a like a lump in my throat, you know, kind of like a sore throat. And so I took Benadryl thinking I was just an allergic reaction. Maybe my throat was closing up, but I had no other symptoms. Anyway, about two hours after that, it, the Benadryl kicked in. I was really tired on, on my date with Sarah because we had, had a sitter. And um, I was just sleepy and no relief for my throat. And then I sneezed again, you know, when we were out and about. And then I realized that then the pain intensified so that it must have been a pulled muscle. So here we are a week later. Every time I sneeze, it just gets a little bit worse again. And so I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I have apparently I'm 32 years old, and I don't know how to sneeze, I guess. I don't know. I think it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, coincidentally enough, today I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, this week in going over um, kind of what to prepare for this morning um, it was between a couple different things, but I think with us leaving and being gone for a couple of weeks and Daryl having just given his message and James, um, really a good kind of synopsis of the first couple chapters and rolling into verse three or chapter three, I, I just wanted to go ahead and, and deliver my portion of that. So uh, let's go before the Lord, uh, Lord one more time. I just, uh, Again, Lord, we just thank you so much for uh, the time this morning, and we just ask your blessing on the reading of your word this this morning as well. And um, as the song we sang recently, or this morning, says, uh, may the mind of Christ our Savior just live in us day to day. We just ask these things that as we go over them, um, these things for us to be doing and not doing, that we would apply it to our lives, Lord, and you would help us and give us grace and mercy through that. So we may learn to love each other and you more and more each day. We ask this in your name. Amen. So go ahead and turn to James chapter 3, and we'll just start there. We'll read the first uh, 12 verses. <clears throat> and I apologize if I'm repeating myself. I, I gave a message, um, probably one of the first ones I gave here a couple of years ago, three three years now maybe. Um, time is flying by. And, uh, and so a lot of this, uh, again, was... We kind of looked at on on that occasion, right? Um, as we go through James, I think it, it's just always good to have these reminders, right? A lot of times we look at the scriptures and sometimes we see new things and sometimes reminded of the things that we should be doing um, and refreshing constantly, um, regardless of whether or not you know we've seen them before or not, right? So that's the beautiful beautiful thing about God's word is that it's living and powerful, right? As we read in His word. So let's starting in James um, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. 
Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and it's, it and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters? Or grapevines produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. And we'll stop there. So Daryl, uh, he, again, he gave a good recap over uh, some of these contrasts, he called them, right, in the first few chapters of James. Um, some things I mentioned, for instance, was being hearers of the word, right, not just, or I'm sorry, being doers of the word and not hearers only, as in contrast to someone who just hears and does nothing with it, right? Um, he talked about, uh, again, you know, not showing favoritism versus versus someone you know who who would be partial. Um, talked a little bit about the trials, and then and then he rolled into chapter three as well. So again, this is just practical uh, instruction, if you will, to you know for Christians and how we should live our lives. And. I've said this, I think, in the original message that why why is speech so important, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious that when you see somebody, other than their physical appearance, when you know when you meet someone, your, your impression of them is the first thing you really you know you notice about them, right? Is is the words they use um, and the way in which they communicate, and and that's why I mean, so much money is spent. Um, in training people, um, even in the corporate world, in the military, right? I mean, there's whole lessons I've had in the military about effective communication. And when I go up for uh, any kind of um, annual review, you know, they go over, okay, you know, communication is its own line in of itself. You know, how does this person communicate? And then you look at all these different things. How do you communicate with your peers, first of all? Do you get along with the people to your left and to your right? Or do you work well with them? Do you network? Do you know how to, to, you know, to reach out? Because a lot of times you think it would all be spelled out for you, but it's not. You know, We have to manage and organize things that come around sometimes only every two or three years. I'm having something. It's been two years since the last time they did it, and they're calling to me. Hey, how would you do this? And I'm having to tell them, like, you know, because they're like, how do you clean these things? They they have these gas generators. They get blown up out at site when they do this testing. And um, there's a book on it, kind of, but it's all technical writing. And, you know, and it kind of leaves some to, um, some of it as far as the supplies go to your own. You know, like, hey, you need to get a steamer to clean this thing out. But it was written years ago, and maybe we had more money, or they had something in mind. And now they're like, hey, how did you get a steamer? And so I go into the story of what we did two years ago. Because nobody's done it since then, and I've since moved. It's not really my responsibility, but people are reaching out to me recently. You know, I'm having to explain, okay, like, you know, some of this in the moment after we, we fought with all these things, I'm trying to 
We tried to write down, okay, so the next guy doesn't have to deal with this. So I was able to give some of that lessons learned and passed on to the next guy so that hopefully he doesn't struggle with it as much as I did when we were there. But we, we managed two years ago, and they'll manage here this month. Um, but again, it was that effective communication of, you know, you, you have to network in the Air Force because um, things come about that, you know, challenges that either people didn't have before, but or in, in this generation maybe, but at this base, but almost somewhere, somewhere else, somebody's always ha- has dealt with it before. And so you reach out to others and you ask for help and, you know, hey, send me some documents or tell me over the phone how you, how you dealt with this particular issue. But it's not just about that peer-to-peer communication, right? We have to understand that, there, you know, in the, in the military, again, in that illustration, you know, you have to speak effectively up the chain, right, to communicate and complain effectively in a way that's constructive. And then and there's a certain way you, can, you, you converse with people below the chain, right, give leadership. And there's an expectation that changes to, based on those relationships that you have in the workplace, Right, I'm, I'm allowed to complain up the chain, but I need to be careful not to um, basically tell my subordinates how I feel about my leadership. Right, it may happen sometimes, but I, you know, in order to keep a proper um, order of things, right, I should be showing my trust in my leaders to to those that are subordinate to me. And, and you know only gripe and complain to my leadership so they can help me but not but not down the chain if that makes sense so that's kind of a you know that's a, a practical way in which you know communication flows in the military but you see this in the home I mean we were just talking about uh, raising children a little bit right and how the relationship changes from the time that they're young you know in diapers to the time that you know they're they're maybe just entering school, and then it's very different from you know in their in their teen years, or maybe as and then maybe again as young adults. It 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 it, it evolves over time in how we communicate with them, and then the context of how we communicate with maybe our spouse is different than say a family member, you know that we like our parents, or and then certainly amongst friends. So communication is huge, and, and, and a lot of people, corporations, are spending money to try and break these things down. And in reality, sometimes we need that, right? Sometimes we need to understand the very basics of, of how to communicate effectively. And it's really not rocket science. It's, I mean, you learn it at such a small age, and we see how much less work we have to put in with Emmeline, um, who's two now. But she's learning to count. I noticed, I mean, we, I've never sat down with her trying to teach her. I don't know, maybe a couple times. But I'm only trying to get her to count because I'm impressed with how much she can count already. Because not that we've taught her, but the kids have, right? In playing hide and seek, she, she can kind of, she has the cadence to count to 10 anyway, right? <laughs> but you, you see that with children, right? It's, it's really neat to see. But they learn at an early age good things and bad things about communication. So it's natural. But um, I would like you to turn to Genesis chapter 11. We'll kind of look at the the very beginning, the the first lesson in in communication, if you will, right? The Tower of Babel. Um, I'll go ahead and read in the New King James here. So Genesis chapter 11. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. 
And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east and that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had a brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. Very interesting how it says that the Lord says... He saw that, and um, in some translations, it basically says, whatever they, whatever they start, there's nothing that they won't be able to do. That's kind of the language that God's using there, right? And it's interesting because it's like, God's, and he, don't get it wrong, he's not afraid of these people, right? They're not going to actually knock on the, the door of heaven through their, their, their tall tower, right? But I think what the Lord's saying here is that these people in as they are united by one language at this time, their advancement in technology and ultimately, if you think about their purpose in this, which is to build themselves up in a humanistic way, right? They were, they were trying to make discovery and build things for themselves and make a name for themselves. And, you know, essentially their rebellion against God is also going to grow, right? I think it's it kind of goes hand in hand with what we know to be true about riches and knowledge as opposed to wisdom is that they they take people away from the Lord, right, ultimately, um, if they if their hearts and minds are consumed by it. So it did not it did not gel, if you will, with God's plan for these people to continue as one people and just continue rebelling against God and building up this city. Right. But I mean, he was, I, I guess you can almost use the word amazed. I mean, he was kind of, um, as he looked down at his people, he's like, they, they're going to make such progress. And it's interesting today, people are confounded by things like the pyramids, right? There's this big mystery about the pyramids. Who built the pyramids? How do they do it? And a lot of people are saying that they're, they're amazed at, at things that are found in, you know, in digs and stuff that they're like, you know, we did not expect define this level of technology you know from so long ago of course they use their scientific methods to date these things which is sometimes accurate sometimes not it's based on based on a lot of assumptions um that may or may not be correct right so take it with a grain of salt but the point is is people in secular science and history will agree that there there were civilizations that did things that were very impressive for their time and it makes me think, and I just wonder how much of that was maybe during this time where people were one and united. And it's certainly no mistake today, we look at since the invention of the internet, I mean, look at how much is, has how much technology has grown since then, right? And a large portion of that is because of the effectiveness of communication and the you know, the way that information can travel from instantaneously from one country to another, from one culture to another, right? As people unite, they can do amazing things. And that's a good thing. But unfortunately, right, where 
the masses gather with all the sin in the flesh, you know, we unify in the, in the wrong way. So it's, it's kind of sad, um, but, it, but interesting to see how we're kind of going back to that, right? Essentially, there's even um, an app and um, a program you can get called Babel, right, to, to teach you how to, to learn new languages, which is fine. You know, it's good to learn languages. I think it's, I think it's beneficial, honestly, um, to, to try and, and learn more, you know, different cultures and languages, um, but the point is, is that, you know, as people unite more and more, I think we're moving toward what we read about in Daniel and Revelation, right? These advancements. And you see the mind of man and where it wants to go with discovery, quote unquote, and technology. You know, it's that humanistic drive to better ourselves, to make a name for ourselves, like they said here. And um, ultimately, it's rebellion against God. Instead of in this discovery and this unification, instead of praising the Lord, the creator together as a whole, we're, we're looking everywhere, but right. We're looking to black holes, you know, we're looking to space. We're looking out beyond everything that's right in front of us for the answers. We're hypothesizing that it's all fake. Some people say it's all fake. None of this is real. We're just computer programs inside a big box. And, um, and then you could even say, so God's on the outside of this box? No, not the God of the Bible. Anything but that. Aliens, maybe. Bigger people. Spaghetti monsters, whatever. Not God. That's a real one, by the way. Spaghetti monsters, but not God. That's what they say. And it's so sad, but that's rebellion. But getting back to the tongue. Again, it's about, I think Genesis 11 just demonstrates the unity and the effectiveness of what people can do when they just understand each other. So taking from that, understand that, they, that yes, unfortunately, these people at this time were, were working in rebellion against God. However, you can see that the effectiveness that they had was because they could communicate with each other properly. There was way less understanding or way more understanding them or with ease than even we have now today. Even with the age of the Internet, it's still difficult. Even in the United States where we all speak English, you see differences in, in different regions and stuff. And sometimes you can't even understand somebody's accent, especially from down south in Mississippi or Alabama, right? But it's um, – it's definitely just it's such an impactful thing, right, to, to have a language barrier or a cultural barrier between each other. We see that with generations where parents can't understand what our kids are saying half the time. Just, we just don't speak the lingo. You know, we try to bridge that gap sometimes and embarrass our kids, you know, saying the cool stuff that they say now or whatever, right? It's super cringe, right, Logan? When dad tries to talk like the kids. But... But it is something we need to work on, right, is, is to how to be effective in our communication. So here in James, um, he really, in these 12 verses, he really is just driving home the importance of it. I mean, if you think about it, so uh, first he gives a warning that's saying that, hey, you know, not everybody should become a teacher um, because we're going to receive a stricter judgment, right? With much knowledge and, and understanding comes a higher level of responsibility, uh, we stumble in many ways, right? Um, 
And then he goes to verse 3 to talk about, he uses a few different illustrations, right? Some of which we, again, touched, talked on between the meetings about uh, basically training animals, right? We put bits into horses' mouths so that they obey us. We direct their whole bodies. And then he goes on, uh, so again, this idea that this big horse, this large animal, is, is controlled by just a little thing in his mouth, right? The little sweetness of, I don't know, Daniel can tell you what, what you put in a horse's mouth, right? Um, but not just horses, but all kinds of things are tamed by just a little bit of food. I think we feel that way sometimes, right? And then it says, consider ships, right? Think massive ships in all that structure, and yet they're directed by one of the smallest components on them, just the rudder. And then it talks about a fire. And I think of um, our brother Al, right, going through Acts. It talks about the cloven tongues like fire, right? The tongue, the tongue you know, if you, it's cut off and you were, it, was, it looks like a, little, like a little flame, right? And, and it says how the tongue is like a fire and that a little flame, it catches a blaze and it, you know, and it can, it can carry on until it's put out. And you, you think of that now, you know, with Maui on fire and the deal with smoke even today, right? It comes and goes from, I mean, it could be states away, a different country away, right? So fire spreads. <clears throat> and I think of fire spreading, I particularly think of, uh, I think of rumors, right? I think of little things, little lies or little rumors. <laughs> Both of them, they spread, right? They get worse. Uh, but James is just giving us these illustrations on, on how important he's setting up just to explain how important the tongue is. And he goes on to say that, you know, people have done all these great things. You know, they think they, they contain these animals, they can build these ships. Um, but yet nobody can tame the tongue. And he's not saying that like, hey, you know, that's not your, your way out. He's not saying don't, you know, don't try or, or that you can't get this under control. Um, he's just using an analogy, but he's just, you know, saying that this is brought down even kings and queens, you know, politicians. I think of that the most likely with the ship. You know, there's all this structure and all this, you know, order. You think that it's all there, and yet the rudder's going the wrong way, you know. <laughs> and and we see that, right? We see people who are in places like teachers, like leaders, like he talks about in the first verse, that their words are captured on paper and in today's age on recordings and on online or whatever it might be. And, and then, you know, or if somebody even hears it, and especially in this day, they hear it and they, and they say, so-and-so said this and that, right? And that's, that's what goes out. And so for teachers and, and people in positions where they're looked up to, for us as even as just as parents, um, it's very important what we say. It has a, a lasting effect and it spreads. I'll share a quick, uh, I guess, a little attention getter. I'm kind of getting into it. We're already moving along in time. But uh, there's a comedy sketch years ago show, a man named George. Uh, he's at a boardroom meeting, and he's, they got shrimp at the meeting, like the little cocktail shrimp, right? And he's just gorging himself on the shrimp. He's eating the shrimp, eating the shrimp. And one of the guys in the meeting is probably six or seven people at the boardroom meeting. He goes, hey, George, ocean called. They're running out of shrimp, and everybody just laughs. And George is sitting there with his mouth full of shrimp. He's just all, you know, red in the face, and you know, and the scene cuts. And and for the rest of the show, he's 
he's thinking about, man, what, what, I, what, I, what I wish I would have said. You know, I, I need a comeback. I need a zinger. You know, and so he thinks about this, this comeback that he would have said, you know, to get the guy back. And the whole time he's thinking about, well, ends up the guy ends up getting transferred, right? And they're in like New York, and the guy moves to Ohio, and his friends. But he finally comes up. He's like, oh, I know what I should have said. I know what I should have said. And I'm like, well, what, George? He's like, if he if he says that again, I'm gonna say, well, the jerk store called, and they're running out of you. And, <laughs> and his friends are like, man, just let it go. He moved to Ohio. You know, and besides, there are no jerk stores. That doesn't make any sense. There's no such thing as a jerk store. He's like, no, no, it's a high-level joke. I got to tell it. He's like, I found, I figured out he's at he's at the branch in Ohio or whatever. And they're like, you're going? And he's like, yep. So he books a flight, and he goes to Ohio, and he brings with him to another board meeting, right? Everybody's new except the guy that was there that, that, that teased on him. And he brings a thing of shrimp, and he just starts stuffing his face. But he's confident this time, right? He's ready. He's hoping this guy asks him. And sure enough, the guy looks over at him, and, you know, it's a new room of people. He's like, hey, George, the ocean called. They're running out of shrimp. And George gets this look on his eyes, and he finally, you know, brushes his face off. He's like, this is my moment, right? And he goes, well, the jerk store called, and they're running out of you. Nobody laughs. And he goes, well, that's all right, because you're their bestseller. And then everybody laughs again. (laughs) And George is standing there looking at him like, oh. Man. And the, the point of that is, is that, uh, one, it shows the, the impact that that man's words had on this man, right? Like that he, he was teased, and it, and it was a jerk thing to say, even though George shouldn't have stuffed his face full of shrimp for the whole meeting. Um, but, it, you know, it had that lasting effect on him in this skit, you know, that he wanted to, he wanted to get him back. But it's also the problem that he had in the first place is just to not let things go. Right? We see that today. We see people, kids, people that are my age and older just not letting things go. Words are just words, but they do have an impact, right? And so we have to be careful with what we do with it. So there's a lot of verses I had written down um, the first time I shared this and, and things I've added as well, right? But we'll just, we're going to cover just a few of these, right? Because this is what the scripture says about things we uh, shouldn't say, things we should say, and how our communication should be. So in Proverbs, you don't have to turn to these, and if you want to list, you can let me know afterwards. But Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Also in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. As again, I mentioned the first thing that somebody sees when you're a believer, uh, first thing when somebody sees when they're, they, they meet you is... One thing they notice, I should say, is is your voice and the things you say, the words you choose to use. And I can tell you as somebody in the military where perverseness of language, if you will, whether it be the context of the language itself and the words used to, to build a sentence structure is very indicative of probably where they're brought up and what they believe in. Right. As I know, as, as a as a believer, that if I meet somebody in the, with a military uniform on and they don't swear in the first three minutes I've met them, they probably are Christian or LDS. Right. Like or Catholic, like a real Catholic, you know, like something. Right? I know there's something that's a religious thing at the very least. Right. Hopefully it's a spiritual thing. But at the very least, there is something about them that they can't be in this military and not choose to and not speak like the rest of us, right? That's the thought process. So having being somebody who who does not use that kind of language in the military is a quick 
indicator and i would say probably in most places in this country that you know i'm sure in construction i mean i worked in landscaping like thankfully i worked with mostly family and friends and and believers but you understand what i'm saying like that's that's an immediate thing in schools where if somebody isn't using language that's offensive that right there can clue people in like hey i don't so-and-so never swears or so-and-so never, you know, they never like tell bad jokes or, you know, dirty things. You know, they, they're going to, they're going to key in on that. And that's a good thing for our testimony, hopefully. Right. And so it's something that we need to avoid. So the, the Bible gives us things to avoid, right? Lying, perverseness of, of speech, anything that doesn't edify. And James chapter 5, verse 12 says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any oath, but let your yes be the yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So that's just about the bond of your word, right? The importance of, of what you say, doing what you say you're going to do. Um, and, and if you say you're not going to do something, don't do it. Our children see it all the time, right? They, they hold us to our word and, and even things that we don't think, you know, you said it's usually for things they want, right? You said I can get candy, you know, at twelve oh one, you know, on, you know, August second. You said that we would do this, and they're they're waiting to cash in on that. But the point is, is that they do hang on every word sometimes. Maybe not the instructional part, but they do hang on every word. And so it's important that we live out our word. We choose our words carefully, and we live the, and and we see them through. First Peter three verse ten it says, "He who would love life." And see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Back in Proverbs chapter 6, these things the Lord hates, yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. So lying, obviously, Lord hates it. Ephesians 4, verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to hearers. Colossians 4, verse 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So we just went over some of the things, right? Offensive speech. Um, avoid that. Swearing, um, perverseness of language, anything that's not the things that we should be saying, which we'll get a little more into, but... Um, and you need to know what's offensive. I, I put that here, right? It takes a little bit of maturity to, maturity to know what's going to set somebody off. And that can change a little bit culturally. It can change going into somebody's home. Because even as Christians, there's some words that we think are okay maybe, you know? And then you go into somebody's home and like, no, like, that's not. You know, and, and it's not just words. Sometimes it's conversation. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's sarcasm. You know, a lot of people, I, I grew up a family very sarcastic. I know some people, they're not very sarcastic. And, it, you know, it, you can tease somebody and you think, like, this is just in jest. And some people don't get it. And that's all right. It's just they're not used to that. So you, you got to be careful. And, again, in the military, they train people on how to do things when they go to another country overseas. They say, okay, you know, like, you're going to Afghanistan. Don't wear sunglasses inside. Like, you know, and here... I mean, it really doesn't make sense to wear sunglasses inside, but you're not gonna you're not gonna get stabbed for it, you know. Like you, you just you don't do that. That's extremely impolite. There's certain things you don't wave with, you know, one hand or another, right? And in some cultures, there's words that are in the United States you wouldn't think are a bad word, and you go over to England or something, and they speak English, but that's a bad word. You don't say that. 
And there's things over here that we think are terrible things, and they say it over there. It's just an understanding that culturally, where you are, it matters. So you need to be, you don't need to be an expert, but stay apprised of these things. Lies and deceit, it speaks for itself. You, we should not be lying or deceiving somebody. And deceit is especially deceptful, deceptive, um, because it comes with the intent of our heart. Right, I have to get on to somebody because I have to explain to this young person that uh, you know sometimes they say, "Well, I didn't. I only said this. I didn't say that. You know, or I only did this. I didn't do that. You know, with their sister." But I'm like, "You, you need to understand. I know what you're doing, right? You're, you're in this particular. This is years ago, right? But you're, you're manipulating. You know, you're, you're saying you said this so that this would happen." And no, in in that you know, and I'm trying to think of an example, but in you know, you you didn't say anything bad, and you didn't technically lie, but you knew what what you would get out of that conversation or what you said, and it wasn't, and they didn't understand. You're using your knowledge and your understanding against that person for your your benefit and their detriment. You know, so I mean, that is a is a form of deceit, and. We we should we should avoid that, right? We shouldn't be deceiving people or anyone or ourselves, for that matter, to get something um, for our flesh. So, what should we say? What should we be doing and saying um, with our tongue? Oh, well, we should be edifying, right? We already read in Ephesians four, like. Uh, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the healer, hearers. Let your speech in Colossians 4, let your speech always be seasoned with grace, or with grace, seasoned with salt. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So there's praise to the Lord, right? Psalms is littered with that. Right? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deed among the people. That's in Psalm 105. Um, Galatians 6.10 says, <clears throat> Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Again, talking about fellow believers. Um, Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. We read in Timothy, 2 Timothy, brought this up before, because we were, when we were going through that, Oh, here it is. But shame or shun profane and idle babblings. First, Second uh, Timothy two sixteen. For they will increase to more ungodliness. Right. And so we talked about remember idle babblings. Basically, if, if it's if it's stagnant speech, even it's not worth it. Right. We should be. It's the, the thought processes. We're moving others toward Christ. Right. We're moving. We're building people up. And I have this frustration at my work. I tell this young man he's used to the military. Right. And he says, well, this is how I was brought up in my home, in my circle of friends. And here in this in this very section. Right. He gives me a hard time because he thinks 
He's like, well, you came in. He's like, this is what this is how we learn. You know, we, we get cussed at, we get yelled at, and we get reminded of all our failures so that we get better. I said, you you can get better. That part's fine. Like you can you can tell somebody they're wrong. That's that comes with instruction. And I don't mind a little bit of 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 you know. You, yes, you need to be you need to build up some hardness. But you don't have to berate somebody, right? You don't have to to scream at them or be or be rude or whatever. You don't have to be a jerk to get them to do, you know, to get them to improve. And and then more importantly, is and, and, and is that they've twisted it, right? Because they think, well, we went through basic training and we got yelled at. But the important thing is, in basic training, we had professionals who were not allowed to touch us, you know, and and everything had a purpose. Right. And again, some of them swore and stuff. But the point is that there was there was a purpose. And it said if you're you're the condition of your heart, and I would tell this young man, if you don't want them to succeed, then everything you're doing is not going to build them up. It's not going to move them toward their goal. Because all I see, because it, because it would be followed with, well, you know, not only did it yell at them and berate them, but they're not making any progress. And then and why? Well, because they're terrible. Because they're garbage. They're not any good. They're not mechanically inclined. It's their fault. And and it, and it was almost like it was fun. Because I've been there. I've felt the same way. It's fun. It builds you up to when you get to see somebody struggling. And instead, of, and, and now you're like, oh, I remember when I struggled. But I mean, instead of being like, hey, I want to help you and get you past this, he's kind of reveling in the fact that, hey, I'm good, you know, and then just berates them. I was like, and if it doesn't start in the place of I want you to get better, it – Everything else is gonna is gonna fail, and he's my trainer, right? I'm talking to my trainer, so I'm like, you is a trainer. You need to want these people to succeed, and if they don't, and if you've given, if you've done everything the right way, and they don't succeed, then we'll deal with it. You know, then you know we'll move on, get rid of them, whatever we got to do. But you have to give them that chance. But in his mind, all of that instruction came with all of this extra stuff that wasn't good you know just all this you know berating them and tear them down but it has to start with the desire to see somebody prosper right if it if we don't feel that way for our fellow brothers and sisters in christ if we don't feel that way for our neighbors right then the words that flow out of our our mouths are going to start right in our hearts and our minds so we need to make sure that's aligned first right the last thing I'll, i'll quickly go over is the importance of uh <clears throat> listening, right? So can't skip over that part of, of, of communication. That's probably the most important part is just being quiet and listening, right? Considering other views um, of other people and a course of God. So in James, um, James chapter one, verse 19 says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So that's about both, Listening and being patient. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Right? Listening comes with humility. With that, Romans 12, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith.
And then one of my favorite passages in 1 Kings 19:11 through 13, um, speaking about our Lord and how he speaks to us, right? Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. We're not listening to God and humbling ourselves and taking time in the quiet of a morning. Um, we may miss what he's trying to speak to us about, you know, and what he's trying to say to us and get a hold of our hearts. Uh, so again, hopefully that when we're edifying each other, when we're, when we're hopefully building up people, believers or unbelievers alike, that we're, it's coming first and foremost from what we've been instructed and what we've heard from the Lord ourselves. And um, the more we are look like him and the more we act like him, the more um, benefit we're going to give to those around us, right? And the more we'll also refrain from these other things, right? We, if you're like an empty pot, you know, it's been said, and you fill up with the good things, uh, then there's less room for the things that are not good. So we should be looking to that, right? To hear from the Lord, to, to humble ourselves, to stay quiet, to seek Him in His Word, and then to build people up, build each other up, edify each other, right? Uh, to avoid vain and idle babblings, as it said. To to have good impressions upon our, each other or upon others through our um, testimony in our speech. To avoid looking and sounding like the rest of the world. And that helps... Um, Proclaim the gospel, right? Because people, nothing's worse than somebody seeing somebody and things they say, whether in anger, um, in bitterness, um, or, or just use of terrible language. They see that and they say, what's different about that person than anybody else? You know, or whatever they have to say, I don't want it. But if we start with the Lord and and seek after him, we listen to him, and align our hearts with what he wants us to say. I think we will we will then be much better at communicating effectively with each other. There's so much more to say about all this, right? Um, James obviously just talks about the importance, the dangers of the tongue, right? Taming the tongue because it's wild. It's it's right there. It's so easy. And I know some people. Uh, I'm I'm more of a talker, you know. Um, some people are more quiet. Um, speak when it's time to speak. Speak up when it's time to when it's time to say something, right? And you know that's between you and the Lord, and in that moment, that context of whatever it might be. Sometimes we're not saying things when we should. Sometimes we say things when we shouldn't, or say things we shouldn't say. But it's clearly an important thing to to fully control the tongue and to surrender surrender our our lips, our tongue, and our hearts to the Lord. So um, let's lift this. God, we just uh, ask you again to uh, help us be humble, to give us humility so that we seek after you in all things. Um, it's a good reminder of the importance of our words and our speech and um, how it rolls into our actions as well. And we just ask that you would uh, give us discipline, Lord, in how we conduct ourselves and how we communicate with each other.
you strengthen our communication between our spouses, those of us who are married, uh, between our family members, between those that are here in the assembly, and um, that also you bolden us to um, effectively communicate with those who are maybe not saved in the workplace or neighbors or wherever we may meet, people's school, and um, that we would um, boldly share the gospel. Um, first and foremost, just through the spirit of through your spirit, through through the kindness and um, the humility that you might show through us, um, but also at times when necessary through the boldness to to say what it, uh, what is good is good and what is wrong is wrong, and we just uh, ask you to do all these things for us, Lord, and we um, pray that you continually work in our lives daily, and it's in your Son's precious name, the name of Jesus.